Hey, Misfits. Welcome back to the Misfits and Mysteries podcast. We are your weekly podcast for all things weird and wacky from Bigfoot and aliens to psychology and history and everything in between. We are your hosts, Emmy and Steve. I actually had a question for you. So as you know, when we first hopped on the Zoom, I was eating some mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. Do you eat mac and cheese with a spoon or a fork? Fork. What about you? Me too. Okay, good. I thought you were going to say you're like a lunatic who uses a spoon. No, I literally got into a fight with my roommate about this because she uses exclusively a spoon. And I kind of realized that I'm not a big spoon gal. No. I use spoons a lot. That's lunacy. Don't you want to stab the noodles? You don't want to scoop them. Yeah. And I'm even talking about like I had Annie's mac and cheese tonight, you know, like the little tiny shells. So you're not really stabbing it, but I don't know. Mm. A spoon just feels like it would go straight down my throat. Also, (laughs) I have hand-eye coordination. I can scoop up mac and cheese, tiny piece of mac and cheese with a fork. I don't need a spoon. I'm not a toddler. The only scenario where I would use a spoon is if it's like really melty cheese. No, I use a fork. Fork all the way. I don't use spoons very often. I'll have them with like ice cream, soup. I think I could eat most of my meals. I'm gonna go as far to say I could live my life only eating out of a bowl with a fork. I agree, because a soup you can hypothetically just like tilt. Yeah. It might not be the most proper and polite way to do it, but you can definitely just tilt it. You do not need a spoon 99% of the time. You can even eat ice cream with a fork if you want. You could totally eat ice cream with a fork. Sometimes I do that. There's absolutely no scenario where you need a spoon unless you're trying to be all prim and proper. Like to eat at least, sure. Serving is a different story. I would take a serving spoon over a serving fork nine out of 10 times. And I also realized that I haven't used my plates in forever because I just put everything in a bowl and I just mix it all up with my fork. I am the opposite. I will use a plate a lot more often than I use a bowl. I think I could live my life with just a bowl, but... I think I could live my life with just a plate. As long as you don't have a perfectly flat plate, as long as there's a little bit to catch any juices, I think you can put anything on there. You have more surface area. And sometimes you want to have like multiple types of food on a plate without mixing it. Well, you could never have soup again. You could never have cereal. I don't eat cereal though. I'm just saying a bowl, I feel like I could eat pizza out of a bowl. You You could. I just feel like it's more convenient not to have your pizza invented though yeah but here's the thing though if you're having thanksgiving dinner maybe that's not the best example but thanksgiving dinner i feel like you don't necessarily want everything in one bowl i completely disagree so you want like your apple pie your mac and cheese your sweet steve i put everything on my fork at one time i'll get the mashed potatoes the sweet potatoes the turkey everything on one fork and eat it all together okay so you're yeah it's true oh but i have a (laughs) counterpoint it's really hard to make nachos in a bowl i guess it depends what kind of bowl we're talking but i think that's true because getting like an even distribution of cheese yeah even distribution of cheese and the the chips are not going to be well covered because they have to be at angles and you're gonna have less surface area so you're gonna have a bunch of chips that don't have any cheese and some that have like way too much I feel like if you did some layering strategically, you could- Yeah, figure. but you could also do some strategic layering with a plate. All I'm saying is I'm a bowl gal and I'm sticking to that. I 100% agree about the fork. There are just so few scenarios where I need to eat with a spoon and I can't eat with a fork. I agree. 
That's a good topic of conversation. Please let us know if you're a lunatic or a normal person. <laughs> and if you're a bull or a plate kind of person. Yeah. Or what other kind of things are there? A knife person? I, I mean, don't, no, you I need don't a, think we want... <laughs> you need a knife. a knife person, I'm afraid of you. You need a knife to cut your meat, though. We're talking about one utensil forever. Oh, oh, yeah. No, that's, that's a lunatic. If it's like you can't cut the meat, I mean, I, I don't mind. I'll, actually, no, if I couldn't, no, actually, no, I, I lied. I would go just for it because you know what? If I couldn't cut meat, I would only buy on bone meats and just eat off the bone. Yeah. And Steve, if you just have a knife, then you can't really cut it anyways. You certainly can't eat mac and cheese with just a knife. You can't eat barely anything with just a knife. You can eat more things with just a spoon than you can with just a knife. We're a fork kind of podcast. We are a fork kind of podcast, and I'm sticking by that. I 100% agree with you on that. Bulls can be debated, but definitely not on forks. What is your favorite mac and cheese shape? That's a great question. I have the hands down definitive answer, but I'll let you. Are you going to say elbows? No, 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 no. Far more interesting than that. Okay, good. Because I don't love elbows. I don't know. What's your answer? Easily Scooby-Doo. Ew, no. You don't like the Scooby-Doo mac and cheese? I mean, I like the novelty of it. I don't think that any of those weird shaped things, they're never good. No, that is the most incorrect statement you've ever said. It's weird in your mouth. I don't like it. No, you're so wrong. It holds like the cheese in between the pasta so much better. It's vastly superior. I mean, to be fair, I think I've only had the SpongeBob kind, but I can't imagine it's much different. No, it is. You're wrong. When we go fishing, I'll buy a dinosaur mac and cheese from Stop and Shop, and we won't use their crappy mac and cheese powder. We can use real cheese and stuff, and it's going to be delicious, and you're going to regret that statement. All right. I would love to be proven wrong. Scooby-Doo is the superior shape. They don't sell it anymore, though. But we can get dinosaur shape for like 99 cents. Perfect. So for all the new listeners, we're not a food podcast. This is just a (laughs) random tangent. I guess you should have picked that up from our intro, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a great talking point, though, because we don't have much banter because we recorded two days ago because it's a holiday weekend and we want to have this all done before then. Yes. For Emmy's mystery vacation in my Vermont trip. Are you ready to jump into the episode? Let's jump in. So what are you talking about this week? I am talking about the birds aren't real movement. Wow. I'm so excited. It's a big undertaking. I imagine it is. I've heard about this. I've never looked in beyond the fact that people think all birds are government drones or something like that. That's the most I've dove into it, which is nothing. That's the crux of it, but I'm going to take you through the whole history. And I'm going to talk about some of the different multiverse theories or theories of the universe. And this all started last week when I talked about this theory I remember hearing about that basically proposed that humans and all life on Earth are just cells in a much larger single organism. Unfortunately, I couldn't really find a lot of information about this theory. I think partially because I don't know what it's called. And when you say human cell is part of organism, it's all just cell theory. It's like a real thing. So I went the route of the actual science stuff, like multiverse theory. We'll look at a few. We'll get into it when we get into it. But I decided not to be one of the Elon Musk stands who are like, Elon Musk thinks we're a simulation, simulation. And I went for the cooler <laughs> theory that's much more plausible. It suggests that we're actually in a hologram. Okay. 
And I am I'll, ready to have my world rocked. So we're going to jump into that after we learn about birds. But before that, we have some announcements. So first things first, guys, if you haven't already, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. It helps us out and make sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Cost you guys nothing to do either of those things, and it helps us out a ton. And the more we grow, the better content we can make you guys. Also, we now have a voicemail, as we talked about last week. It's through Google Voice. Leave us a message. Our number is 914-627-8582. We'll also link to this in the description below. Please, please, please send us your spooky ghost stories, cryptid sightings, urban legends. Heck, we'll even take a creepypasta. I know creepypastas are for children, but we'll accept a creepypasta. Or Um, if you just like the show, drop us a note. Yes, drop us a note, a hypothetical, and there's a chance it's going to be in. Uh, As we talked about last week, Emmy and I are going on a fishing trip in June. I just got to secure an apartment first before I'm able to have any freedom on the weekends. But after that's happening, we want to give you guys a special campfire episode. So we need your ghost stories. We're going to listen to them, have them in the episode, react to them, talk about them. So we really need you guys to pull through. The number again is 914-627-8582. It should be a toll-free number. So just leave us a voicemail. You can call on with your phone and do anything special. So we're looking forward to that. Cool beans. And we're back. So today I'm going to be talking about the Birds Aren't Real movement. I'm really excited about it. Actually, I have to do something before I do that. All right. No worries. Is that, you got a bird? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Rachel got you that, right? Yeah. So guys, you can't see right now, but I am wearing a hat that says Birds Aren't Real. Shout out to my good friend, Rachel, our friend, Rachel who got me this hat because she is obsessed with birds. And I actually thought about asking her to come on tonight, but I didn't. Is she doing anything? We can call her in. Could call her in. Actually, though, that'd be kind of fun if you want to. <laughs> is it possible to, would she have to come on the Zoom? Yeah, she had to come on the Zoom probably. This could be fun, find out. Yeah, I'm texting her. I just texted her. We'll see if she's able to join. We will loop her in later if we can all right a guest that's a surprise even to us yes i'm excited for this make sure your ringer is on so you don't miss it tell us about birds aren't real okay so birds aren't real i'm going to read you the mission statement of the birds aren't real from their website and then i'm going to tell you what it actually is all right i'm excited so this is from the website The Birds Aren't Real movement has been active since 1976. Wait, that long? So they claim. I heard about this a year or two ago, like right before COVID. And that was like the first time anyone I'd seen had reported on it. So, okay. So the Birds Aren't Real movement has been active since 1976. Once a preventative cause, our initial goal was to stop the genocide of real birds. Unfortunately, this was unsuccessful, and the government has since replaced every living bird with robotic replicas. Now our movement's prerogative is to make everyone aware of this fact. So I have a question before we advance. Did you hear about that story about the California condors that are endangered and how they like set up shop on this woman's porch and it's been shitting like raw, like decaying animal guts all over her lawn, all, no. all over her house? Yeah, so she can't do anything about it if they're in danger. And 20 of them were like, this is a good place. So they eat dead things and just poop all over her porch. Yikes. So she contacted, not animal control, but like the national parks people because they're in danger. And like, sure, try spraying the water. So all she did was cool them down. So again, I shower, they fly, dry off and come right back. 
Oh my God. So, are, so I that will actually connect to today's story in a strange way. I'm glad I brought it up then. The birds aren't real movement. Oh, yes. You want to come on? Yeah. All right. Uh, I can add her to the Zoom. Okay. She said she's currently on a walk with a dog. She can join from her phone. <laughs> okay. Actually, I don't think she's going to be able to come on. Oh, man. Bummer. Should I just send it to her anyway, just in case she decides to join? Yeah. <laughs> All right. If she joins while I'm talking, I'll gladly just change the topic to birds. <laughs> All right. Tell her that we sent her the link if she wants to join at some point. And now I will tell you what the birds real movement actually is. According to some news publication called Abu Ban. <laughs> um, so I don't know who to believe at this point. Wait, where is Abu Ban uh, based out of? You know, I don't know. I'm going to Google it. Abu, A-B-U-B-O-N. A, A, I can't even read this. A-U-D. A-U-D-U-B-O-N. It looks like it's actually a bird website. Nationalautobahnsociety.org? Yeah. How do you say that? Autobahn, I assume? I don't know. Audubon? Adubin. Adubin. Um, the National Audubon Society protects birds and the places they need today and tomorrow throughout the Americas using science, advocacy, education, and on-the-ground conversation. All right. All right. Apparently, according to this website... They um, are a .org. Not that that means anything, but... Yeah. <laughs> it was started by this 20-year-old dude called Peter McIndo who was a philosophy major at the University of Memphis in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And he started it in 2017. So yeah, it's not from the 70s. And so it's not from the 70s, but he literally, like any media interview you see with him or his social, he pretends, or maybe he does, he probably does, believe it fully and completely. And we'll go to his grave with it. This article seems to think that he's doing it for internet clout and so you can buy merch like this hat that I'm wearing now, but who knows? It's an interesting story either way. I will now take you through the world according to Birds Aren't Real. I'm excited. And it's kind of feels similar to when we did Ancient Aliens in mm -hmm. a weird way because he finds a way to tie everything and you'll understand this in a minute but like a lot of u.s historical events are tied to the fact that burns aren't real i love it <laughs> okay so all of this comes from the birds aren't real website if you look at their history there's a huge history portion so took most of that from there right. and it, it begins i'm not going to read from it but it begins with the sentence in 1947, the CIA was founded. <laughs> and it basically takes you through this thing that the CIA was founded to watch and survey American people doing communist things. So fast forward, in 1953, there's this guy named Alan Dulles, who became the first civilian director of the CIA. And it was basically his mission to ramp up the, and again, 
this could all be completely fake. I did not look up any of this. It probably is definitely this is from is their website. <laughs> yes. So I mean, Operation Acoustic Kitty was a real thing. So it's not impossible. I am 100% certain that some of this is fake, but I don't know about if this guy was real. You know what I mean? What's his name? I'll look him up while you tell a story. Alan Dulles. Oh, he's real. Okay, cool. He was the first civilian director of the CIA, and it's his mission to ramp up the surveillance program. And he does this via hiding cameras in lots of discrete locations. I'm sure you can see where this is going. Yes, I can. And he gets this brilliant idea that if we put cameras in the sky, that we can watch so many more people so much more efficiently. And he takes this idea to President Eisenhower. And Eisenhower greenlights the idea and tells Dulles to come up with a plan. Fast forward, 1956. Dulles is walking by and he is going to meet with some of his friends from the CIA. And there's birds shitting all over the place, all over his car, all over the sidewalk. And he gets this brilliant idea. I hate birds. Apparently he called them. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel. Her audio's not connected yet. Rachel, can you hear us? Hello, I can hear you guys. How's How it going? You? We're talking about Hello. birds. Uh, the birds aren't real theory. Or, uh, uh, yes. Yes, I am very familiar with that theory. As I am, I'm a believer to some capacity, but I don't have all the answers. So is your pet bird not real? Yeah. So when I got him, he was actually just a pack of batteries. And I watched him sort of develop into a little robot bird. Are you okay with him just watching you? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I get uncomfortable when I'm changing, so I try to close the door. But he often will try to fly into the bathroom, which is one of the reasons why I do, in a way, feel that he is a spy cam. Interesting. Yeah. So can you tell us how you got onto this theory, Rachel? suspicion but I kind of thought it was crazy to think that birds aren't real because I don't know people tend to think that animals are animals and they have to say, say they are and mm -hmm. then I would send pictures of my so-called birds people <laughs> and they would say you know that thing's not real and I was like what do you mean and research buying some apparel I found that this is probably true I am wearing my birds aren't real hat right now yeah that I so <laughs> yeah I I have two shirts and a, and a hat that say birds aren't real well Plus a, a personal bird device then how do we explain why cats eat birds and why other animals eat birds you know I said I don't have a lot of answers and I don't there is possibly <laughs> some sort of transition that happens as soon as the answers enters the, the mouth of the cat. Perhaps these are scientific advanced robots, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you think that if something can disguise itself as a bird so well, it could be a robot. But you know what? That makes me think, what if we're robots? 
maybe us yeah like birds aren't real maybe we're not real either well that's a perfect segue because steve is actually talking later about how we're all just living in a hologram yeah so yeah and maybe birds are the first way that we're seeing this for real Thank maybe you. so there's a so lot I of guess that's kind of the theme of the episode is you don't know what's real you do not know what's real definitely yeah, birds aren't real and we're not real. Okay, I, I, have, I have to go. All right, well, but thanks thank for your you contribution. Thank you for joining the show, Rachel. Thanks for Absolutely. your insights. Really appreciate it. All right. Goodbye, Bye. guys. <laughs> Bye. Oh, my God. I don't know if we're going to be able to use any of that. Uh, some of it was clear and some of it was just possible here, but I, we're going to keep it in. Yeah. Guys, so again, that was my friend Rachel. She is a bird enthusiast and also a birds aren't real believer. Anyways, <laughs> where were we? Uh, this uh, Alan Durrell's guy, as far as getting shit on by birds. Yeah, as far as getting shit on. So he goes into the CIA meeting and he's like, guys, I have this fucking fantastic idea. We are going to, you know, as they say, kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> get rid of all the shitty birds and also get some cameras in the sky mm. but what i don't understand about this is that a major flaw in the story is that birds still shit yeah another major flaw of this too is we weren't able to make microscopic drone technology until like maybe five years ago 10 years ago max well that's what they want you to think i guess uh, and then again, I feel like the NASA scientists and stuff who are like the smartest people on the planet would have done something like that. Also, just fun fact about this Alan Dole's guy. The people also ask questions. Why was Alan Dole's important? Is Alan Dole still alive? Alan Dole's would have been 130 years old if he were still alive. Of course, he's not fucking alive. Hey, if Elvis is still alive, Alan could still be alive. Perhaps. Also, where is Alan Dole's buried? These are the questions that we do not have answers to. Oh, no, we do. Green Mountain Cemetery, Baltimore, Maryland. Great. Okay, I feel like this is the story that's never going to end. <laughs> so he comes up with the idea to kill all the birds, and Eisenhower greenlights the idea. Then he decides that the way to do this is to build some planes, and they're going to have a specially formulated bird poison. And once the birds consume it, it will give them a virus and that virus will be passed on to other birds. So like and the bird flu. Yes, but only in birds. True. And it's sprayed at a height of 8,000 feet in the air and would completely dissolve before it hits the ground. So it, it's only hitting birds in the air. Does that mean that penguins, emus, and ostriches are real? Well, it infects other birds. I mean, maybe like penguins that live in Antarctica. We can only hope. Contact with other birds. Who knows? And yeah, so the poison can go through the fibers of the bird's feathers, I guess. And it would affect the bone structure in such a way that total decomposition of the birds would take place within 24 hours. And Dulles, this is his plan. He realizes that he has to build the planes, but no one can know about his plan. So, of course, they go to Area 51. Uh-huh, of course. Of course. It's not like there's, I don't know, 50 other areas that are more relevant for them to go? <laughs> yeah. No, they have to go to Area 51. 
and they get a whole crew there. Basically, it takes them two years to build 120 bomber planes. And after that, the guys who are building the plane, they're like, okay, you're free to go home. Wow. The bus containing the guys who are building the planes gets intercepted and they transport them. Where? To Vietnam. (laughs) They transport them to the Vietnam War in the hopes that they will die and the story will die with them. And this was a great plan because none of them were ever heard from again. Fast forward, this is where shit hits the fucking fan, Steve. I'm so ready. So they start the operation. And at this point, the only people who know about it are the CIA. Apparently even the guys flying the planes don't know what they're doing. Okay. Because the operation is called quote, water the country. And they were supposed to be watering grass across the country, I guess, but they were actually (laughs) spraying bird poison. So who also doesn't know about this is now President John F. Kennedy. And then Dulles kind of realizes, fuck, we kind of have to tell President about this. Dulles is like, I got to tell the President about this. So he does. And Kennedy was apparently very impressed, but he was like, guys, this isn't what we should be spending our money or our time on. And yeah, they should be like- spending their money and time on putting radio transmitters into cats. Of course. <laughs> Obviously. Yes. Kennedy's like, shut it down, guys. And this is a quote from the website. Kennedy demanded an immediate shutdown of the operation. And less than a month later, he was dead. All right, so the CIA 100% killed JFK, but I don't think they killed him over the birds, okay? I mean, yeah, I don't know about any of that, but... <laughs> we got to do an episode on that one. I've got to get my conspiracy hat on. That's the, the one conspiracy I believe, that the CIA killed JFK. Why? Because the CIA was badass back then. They used to off people. They used to off birds, much. I guess. They used to kill leaders, you know? No, they don't do that anymore. They're not that cool. The other theory is that the mafia killed JFK because he was like sleeping with another woman and he was allegedly sleeping with the wife of like a mob boss. I mean, but... anybody could have killed him. No, he has to be a trained sniper. That's what has to be the CIA. I mean, I haven't looked that much into it, but I would love to hear your theory. All right, let's get back on track. <laughs> okay, I'm skipping through some stuff because it's too long and not important. All right, that's fine. Um, I would just like to point out again, the Vietnam War apparently the u.s's occupation in vietnam was extended because we needed to extract more of this special mineral that only existed in vietnam and that went into the robot birds so that's why they were in vietnam and then you may wonder okay we're killing the birds now we have to get the robot birds out there because people are going to start realizing that there's no birds left yeah and how do you make millions of birds without anyone knowing it's not possible (laughs) well herein lies the answer during the cold war there were these underground warehouses that they were calling bomb shelters but in fact they were bird warehouses and they were so big you could fit tons of workers in there and they were making 5,000 robot birds a day. Apparently there were 
22 of these underground manufacturing plants throughout the US. And at their highest point, there were around 100,000 robots being constructed each day across the US. Again, begs the question, people working in the factory, how are they not spilling the beans? It was the 70s and they were tripping balls, all of them. No, no, that's wrong. You know that's wrong? Because people who are tripping balls cannot assemble fine little pieces for robots correctly. This is the explanation they give us and I am not satisfied with it. And now to where we are today. You may have a few questions. I have more than a few questions. So one of the questions you may have is we only, so this is actually interesting because to our point earlier about penguins in Antarctica, I guess they only killed the birds in the US. So then you're like, how do real birds not cross over the border into these countries? In 2016, President Trump decided to build a wall between Mexico and the United States. And it was under the guise of keeping out immigrants, but it actually encapsulated thousands of microwave guns that can track any bird entering the United States and shoot it with harsh microwaves, which destroy birds ability to fly and will leave it deceased in a few hours. This is just nonsense now. It's all been fucking nonsense. No, (laughs) that is pure nonsense. Sure, birds are real. Birds reproduce, birds hatch from eggs. So the birds are fucking real. Okay, whatever. I I can suspend my disbelief, say, oh, maybe the government made some fake birds. When you start saying Trump built the border wall to fire microwaves at birds to kill them, that's sort of like, this is lunacy. This is lunacy. Okay, well, maybe would interest you to know that our robot birds also cross over the border to Mexico, and that is because they are picking up drugs. They are drug mules, and the reason they do this is to drug up people who know the truth. All right, we're going to create our very own conspiracy because we can get really famous from this bullshit. I mean, that's literally what this guy, this 20-year-old guy did. I mean, we're actually going to do this. We joke around on things. Like, I'm deadly serious. We're going to create our own conspiracy because, holy shit, what a joke this is. People believe this? Sane adults believe this. Yeah. I don't know what our conspiracy is, but we're going to have one soon because, my God. I don't want to start a conspiracy theory, though, because... I don't want people to believe it. (laughs) It's true. You know, there's already enough bullshit out there. What if we just make it really harmless, though? Like, Fruit Loops are made out of... Cardboard. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) You know all Fruit Loops are the same flavor? Yeah, I actually did know that. One last thing I have to say about the birds aren't real. All right. There is... And I actually got this while I was looking into a tail track story, Mm -hmm. randomly. There is one story of a bird spy, a potential bird spy. There is a Pakistani pigeon who was arrested by Indian law enforcement (laughs) on suspicion of being a spy. I heard about this, like this is a few years ago, right? Yeah, 2016. So it flew over the border and... It had a ring around its ankle with a bunch of numbers on it. And they were like, Mm -hmm. this is a fucking spy bird. And I love how they say it was arrested. I like to picture it like- handcuffs. Little handcuffs around his wings. Yeah. So it says, after a thorough investigation, the pigeon was deemed not a threat to national security and was set free. 
and they said it was just an innocent bird and the thing around its ankle was just the number of the owner who uh, wanted it to come back it's kind of sad you know that spy beluga whale no there was this like beluga whale that used to be a russian spy and they like got rid of it so just in the ocean and it doesn't really know how to like feed itself or anything so it constantly goes up to boats and like wants to interact with people because it doesn't really know how to be a whale that's really sad you know i don't really remember what happened to it but it was just there's this beluga whale out there who doesn't know how to be a whale so it just tries to like hang out with boats that come by and like get food that way. That is really sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's birds aren't real. Isn't that fun? That is pretty fun. It's just lunacy. It, it is lunacy, but okay. I'm fine with it. I know. I knew it would be a fun one though. Oh, it's really fun. It's just like just the way that the dots get connected. So I think when if we create our own conspiracy, Emmy, we have to be careful and we have to completely flush it out ourselves. So that way no one else can build on it and make it dangerous. Well, now no one's going to believe it. We went on air saying that we're going to come up with a fake conspiracy theory. Yeah, but I guarantee if we connect enough dots, people will buy it. <laughs> All right. Uh, conspiracy theories are also absurd. The more you dig, the more conspiracies you There's a few things you have to throw in there and then it's believable. JFK's death. Honestly, having JFK or Abraham Lincoln like tied to it somehow, those two names give it legitimacy. Or another one is Eisenhower. There's already conspiracies surrounding Eisenhower. Nixon. You don't want to touch any of the uh, the last two presidents because that just gets to QAnon territory. I mean, birds aren't real. Already has, you know. Teddy Roosevelt. I think we can link Teddy Roosevelt to something. We can make great conspiracy theory. It's gonna be hard to disprove it. All right, I'm in. All right. And now on to some serious, some, some actual scientific basis. Yes. So as I said at the beginning, we got a few theories here that we're going to go through. And like I said, I originally wanted to cover the theory that the humans are really just a cell of a giant organism. And that's basically all we are. But I couldn't find a ton of that. I know that it's something to do with biocentrism, but I couldn't really find articles about it. So I decided to skip that and went an entirely different route. All right. So... <laughs> basically we have three theories we're going to work with here the last one we're going to do is the multiverse theory just because that's the most complex and has the most layers to it but we have presentism and the universe is a hologram which one would you like to start with we'll go with presentism presentism okay so this is the shortest one uh, there are a ton of theories out there but I don't want this to be like an hour-long segment, so I just stuck to three. Presentism is a theory that actually goes all the way back to like 600 BC, ancient Greece. It's more of a philosophy than anything, but basically the theory of the philosophy is only the present exists. The future and the past don't actually exist. They never happened or or they're not going to happen. The only thing that's real is what's happening right this second. Okay, like this very millisecond? Basically, I think the idea is like today, let's say, is the only thing that's real. Then tomorrow is the only thing that's real and it's tomorrow, but yesterday didn't happen. I couldn't believe that. This one is a really old theory. It actually does not hold very much weight. There are quite a few experiments that pretty much prove this isn't the case. Like there are some like quantum. A disclaimer I'm going to give is like, I was always a chemistry and bio guy. Physics, I just never fully comprehended. So I'm not going to be able to give you an in-depth explanation for how this stuff works. I've never taken quantum physics. I've never taken anything beyond basic high school physics. So I'm going to try and do this as dumbed down as possible. I'm going to write a blog of this stuff with links to actual articles if you're curious about the inner workings of these theories. But disclaimer out there now, I am not a physics expert. I know 
the bare, bare minimum of physics. I know a lot about biology and chemistry though, but not physics. I can't explain this adequately, but a lot of like quantum mechanics and experiments pretty much show this can't be possible. And I think basically the explanation is that in order for this to be true, things happening in the past have to also be true, which then means that presentism can't be true if only right now exists. That's like the basic explanation. What do you mean? I can't explain it. I'm sorry. I, okay. I, I don't understand <laughs> okay. it. I can't explain I, things I, I don't understand. I have heard the theory, and this is just like a high thought more than yeah. anything, that like you just were born today and someone like injected you with memories. That's not quite what this theory is, but like it's- Similar though. It is definitely an offshoot of presentism. Yeah. That's an offshoot. The one nice thing about this theory is it suggests that nothing you've ever done actually happened, so you don't need to worry about it. So nothing embarrassing you've ever done happened. Comforting and awful at the same time. Exactly. Nothing that you, because that means that nothing embarrassing or bad you've done actually happened. That also means nothing that you've ever enjoyed in your life actually is real either, unless you're enjoying it currently. Live in the present. Yep. So the next one we're going to do, the next two are going to be more fleshed out. Uh, This is the theory that the universe is actually a hologram. So this is not the super overrated Elon Musk, oh, we live in a simulation. And then all the people who like are Elon Musk stands and think that they're like edgy or intelligent or like, we live in a simulation. It's like, well, no, I didn't want to go with that because I think everyone who, not everyone who believes this is an asshole, but everyone who talks about it online is a fucking asshole. Yeah. Because right? they're the Elon Musk stands. If you stand anything, that just means you're an asshole at the end of the day. You're an asshole who defends things and hates anyone who disagrees with you. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, are there people out there that actually like Elon Musk? Yeah, he has a lot of followers. I think he's he is a incredible man. He's doing incredible things. But at the end of the day, he's a billionaire and all billionaires are assholes. You don't become a billionaire by being a good person. Unless you get lucky and inherit a billion dollars, then you have a chance. Well, it's just like he has so much power and influence and now he's just trying to be like... He's a um, meme. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what he's trying to do, but it's just because he can, you know? Like, like because he's doing like really good things to the world, like renewable energy, space travel, all these cool things. I wish he would just get his ass off Twitter and then like just focus on those. Yeah. I don't right. really like I don't, I don't like him either, but I, I like what he's doing. I don't like him. The um, electric cars is huge. He's Yeah, but the thing that pisses me off about Elon is, you know how he was talking about like the chip you put in your brain? And I don't know. It just feels like he's making decisions for the rest of humanity. Yeah. And about like that and like space travel. There are some real ethical questions there. And now Elon Musk is just like, well, I have a lot of money and I can do it. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. The other thing too, like with the uh, whole Neuralink thing, right? There are other labs like doing the same stuff and they're like kind of more advanced. It's not like just him. He's just the one who talks about the most. Yeah. Anyways, back on to the theory that we're living in a hologram. So the idea of this is basically that, so it's a little bit confusing. Bear with me a little bit, but I'll try and explain as best I can. So basically the theory states that even though our reality appears to be 3D, the theory states that we're actually in a 2D plane that's projected onto the plane in such a way that we perceive the world in three dimensions, kind of like TV. So you know when you watch a TV show, a TV show is flat in real life. It's literally like the film, let's say back in the day, was flat, but it's projected in such a way where it appears that there's depth. So the idea is it's kind of like a TV show. So we're really in a flat two-dimensional world, but everything around us to us, we perceive as three-dimension. 
So nothing around us actually has depth, but it feels like it does to us. That's how we perceive it. Okay. So while this might seem like super convoluted, the reason that physicists think this might actually be true and this theory isn't sort of laughed out is that when you do these mathematical issues and you handle like the biggest problems in physics, like black holes, reconciling of gravity, I don't know what that means, and quantum mechanics, and you do them, solving them as if they're two-dimensional, the math and everything is much easier and makes significantly more sense than if we do it in three dimensions. Interesting. Based on this, it would make more sense if we're actually on a two-dimensional plane, but we're projected in three dimensions. So, I mean, at that point, it seems like more of a debate of what we're calling it. Than oh, yeah. This is not... It doesn't really matter. No, it, it doesn't matter for us on our everyday lives. So there currently is no proof of it. It's that it's widely accepted that physics makes more sense if we're in a two-dimensional plane rather than a three-dimensional plane. But for your average Joe like us, it makes no difference that we're living a potentially living in a two-dimensional plane versus if we're living in a 3D world because we perceive the world this way. I don't even really get what that means, but <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So there's also um they're also doing an experiment to try and prove this theory, but I'm not nearly smart enough to understand any of what they were talking about. So I will link to that in a blog and you guys can look at it for yourselves. I've heard a theory that life elsewhere in the universe exists, but we are somehow on a lower dimension than them. Yeah, we're going to get into that stuff soon. Each other. The cool potential thing about this is if we can prove that we actually live in a two-dimensional world, then all these major physics problems actually will start to make sense to them. And we might be able to do some sick stuff like crazy space travel. We might get some really cool stuff out of this. So something to look out for. But it does not affect our life. The other reason I decided to go with this theory rather than the simulation theory is what I don't like about the simulation theory is it makes people think that, oh, just a simulation, nothing matters. That shouldn't be something to justify doing something bad. Even if we're in a quote unquote simulation, it's still our world. All the rules still apply just because it's a simulation and not real life doesn't mean it's not real life because it's still real to us. What difference does it make if it's a simulation or we just don't know what it is? What defines real life for you, you know? I 100% agree. So now we're going to get into the multiverse theory, which is so complicated. There's so much to it. There's so much more than just parallel universes. Also, Uh parallel universes are not what you would think they are compared to what they show in like TV shows. There's a lot to it. Basically, the multiverse theory suggests that there may be multiple or infinite universes that together comprise everything that exists in the entirety of space, time, matter, and energy, as well as the laws of physics that exist in it. So there's this guy, Max Tegmark, and he created a quote-unquote taxonomy of universes. So there are four levels that classify all schools of thought on the multiverse. So I'm going to be honest, I don't fully understand all of this, but we're just going to go through it and see if it, because it might help explaining when we get into the different theories of multiverses. So the first is Hubble volumes, which are different universes can be arranged on top of one another with the same physics laws and constructs in each. So basically each will have identical or similar configurations to our own. The second level of the taxonomy is universes with different physical constants exist and the multiverse as a whole is stretching and will continue to do so forever, but some regions of space stop stretching and form distinct bubbles. 
we're going to get into the bubble universe theory a little later, but I'm just giving you the taxonomy. Okay. And the third layer is the many worlds interpretation. So the many worlds interpretation suggests that observations cannot be predicted absolutely, but a range of possible observations exist, each one corresponding to a different universe. So I think basically what that means is the reason quantum is so like crazy is you know, like the whole Schrodinger's cat thing where the cat's like alive and dead at the same time. Yeah. There's other experiments I just don't know about because I don't know quantum physics, right? So I can't talk about, but basically they've been doing these like particle tests and what they find is they can never get a definitive answer. They get all the correct answers. So the idea is it's possible that the reason that they recorded all the correct answers with quantum is that the correct answer of where like the neutron is going to be exists simultaneously in a bunch of different universes. And finally is the ultimate assembly, which is the fourth layer of the taxonomy, which suggests that universes with the same or different constructs may exist. So that is the most general statement ever. It's like, hey, universes that are the same, universes that are entirely different, they exist potentially. Okay. Now we're going to get into the different theories. There's a bunch of them. I only talked about four today. So the first is the infinite universe theory. Although scientists aren't sure of the shape of space-time, it's most likely flat and stretches infinitely. So if space-time goes on forever, it must start repeating at some point because there are a finite number of ways particles in the universe can be arranged in space and time. So this means if you look far enough down, you will eventually find another version of you. And in fact, there should be infinite versions of you. And some will be doing the exact same things we're doing right now. They could be having this exact conversation. They're kind of having the same conversation as wearing a sweater instead of what you're wearing. So there's infinite universes where this is happening right now. And then yeah. there's also infinite universes where every version of this is happening right now. Every version of this is happening right now. Yeah. Because time and space are infinite, but the arrangement of particles within time and space is finite. Therefore, after a long enough period of time, it has to repeat perfectly or slightly differently, right? So maybe we're having this conversation right now, but it's snowing outside or we have different jobs. Interesting. That's I like that one. Yeah, that one's really cool. That one makes perfect sense because if we're going to assume that time continues forever and everything's finite, right? Like time's infinite, space is finite, particles are finite then it has to repeat. So that one makes the most sense to me. Yeah. So the second one we're talking about is called the bubble universe. So the bubble universe is the idea that the universe expanded rapidly after the Big Bang and in effect inflated like a big balloon. So there's this thing called eternal inflation, which suggests that some pockets of space stopped inflating while others continue to inflate, which gave rise to isolated bubbles of universes. So the idea mm -hmm. is there are multiple universes, but it's not necessarily this conversation happening in one or two, but how they're created is some parts of space and time formed a bubble and stopped expanding out infinitely. And that created a little like bubble universe. And there's a bunch of them all over. So that means there's little bubbles with their own little universes, right? Yeah. What is between the bubbles? That's an incredible question. I'm not sure. So I think it's space and time. You know what a great analogy would be? You know when you're putting like a screen protector on your iPhone and you get it all nice and flat and then still some bubbles form? I think the idea is it's like space and time is the space between your bubbles that form. The bubbles represent like different universes. Okay. 
So then we're going into what I think is the coolest one. Okay, go have, you, go have you heard of the daughter universe theory? I don't think so. All right. So this is what a lot of people think parallel universes is. And it's like showing a lot this way on TV, but this is not what a parallel universe is. So this is the coolest one to me to think about. Daughter universe theory suggests that all possible outcomes of a situation do occur in their own separate universe. So every time you make a decision, you create a brand new universe. Let's say you can't decide if you want to go left or right. By going left, you create a second universe where you also go right. I have heard this. So there's this really good short story by Ted Chang. He has this book called Exhalations of Short Stories. Mm -hmm. And there's this one where you, you can create an alternate universe by pushing a button. So like the you in this universe pushes a red button and then the you in a different universe pushes a blue button. Mm -hmm. And that's the only difference between the two universes that has happened up to the, like up to this point, they've been exactly the same. And then you can come back whenever you want and talk to the person from the other universe. And just because they push different buttons, their lives turn out so differently. This is my favorite one to think about. Think about all the little decisions, not even the big ones you've made in your life. How different of a person would you be just from the little ones before you even think of the big it's ones? It's like things that you don't even consider a decision. Yeah. You know, I can't even think of an example. What you eat for breakfast. Maybe, I don't know if you eat cereal or whatever. Like maybe if you decided that you wanted to eat cereal every day, you become obese, right? And then instead you eat eggs every morning and you're just like fit. Like something a little like that could be like there's one reality where there's an obese Emmy versus you now. Yeah. Even if you look at like the big ones, right? What if you went to a different college? What if you had a different major? Well, going back to your childhood, right? Like, like what if you played a sport, like a different sport than you played growing up? Well, Steve, and think about how crazy it is that we're even here. You are the little sperm that got to the egg first. Oh, yeah. You know, like. So does that mean that when you have a baby or when you have sex, have a baby, that however many sperms go in there, there's that many billions of universes created right then and there? There's got to be. There has to be. There because has to be. in theory, this suggests that there should be a scenario where every single sperm impregnates that egg. Yeah. I think some of them will never make it. In theory, every time you have sex, that creates like a billion new universes. Pretty cool. That's wild. Finally, we have parallel universes. And I'm not going to lie. I don't really understand these. They're very complex. I thought it was going to be easy. I cannot find a very well dumbed down version of this. Yeah. But Bare bones basic explanation of a parallel universe is that it's basically a bunch of identical universes that run parallel to each other. There could be a bunch or maybe they're infinite and we can't access them. They either identical to our own or have different histories. Okay. So I don't really understand parallel universes. I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit more complicated than I thought it was going to be, but I think it's just like, there's like a universe parallel to our, like say this is our universe. There's another one on the top. It's parallel to it. And Everything's the same, only whoever the hell ran against Nixon the first time won, or the second time won, the, that, whoever the fuck that guy is, right? Me. How is that so, different from the daughter universe? I don't know. I, I don't really know. I'm going to be honest, I don't really follow <laughs> this. But there actually has been a study from the Royal Astronomical Society that suggests that 
if there is alien life, it's more likely to exist in a parallel universe than in our own universe. Why? You know, I didn't want to read a scientific paper about this. I read what it said on Live Science, and this is what Live Science told me, and they're a decently reputable science source. But, but they, well, I guess they, that makes sense. Oh, so you know what it was? It, actually, I do now. It's not to deal with like some. Uh, I didn't feel like reading the methods, but from the skimming I did, it's something to do with like some simulations they ran through it. They ran it through, right? And based on the simulations, um, the most likely outcome is that aliens exist in another plane of life. Another thing that I forgot exactly where what theory this goes along with, but some quantum physicists have been running these simulations about creating life with dark matter. And, um, and they found that it's actually a lot easier to create life than we would have expected that's interesting yeah so who knows again i'm gonna link to the blogs i don't really follow this stuff because i'm not a physicist but that's parallel universes and i didn't see a very good reputable explanation for ufos and parallel universes and like i said i don't really want to read some like ufo blog that has a black background and like neon lime green font that's not good for my eyes so i didn't read that garbage but it's basically parallel universes and multiverse all that stuff there's still other ones that one that you told me about where like the people think that we're living on like a turtle's back yeah i think that's like a native american there's also the gaia hypothesis which i didn't really dig into but that basically suggests that earth is just one big uh living organism and we're all like cells on earth so basically evolution everything that's happening is we're just cells on earth and there's a feedback loop so Earth is like a living creature, That basically. It's the Gaia hypothesis. That would be nice. And another one, I didn't really read up on it because math is boring, but basically there's a mathematical theory. The debate is whether math is the reason for the universe existing or if math just happens to explain the universe. I didn't really read about it because reading about math is not exciting. That's interesting. Basically, the idea behind the theory is like is, they're trying to investigate is math happen to just be like the perfect thing to explain how everything works in the, our universe? Or is math the foundation of the universe and we just happen to figure it out? Isn't math just something that we came up with to explain things? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like the, the theory is, is it a matter of math is the foundation of the universe and we've happened to discover how it worked? Or is it like we create something that perfectly matches how the universe works? That makes my brain hurt. So that's all I have for this stuff. I think we should really try and get a quantum physicist on here and have him explain this stuff better because I cannot tell you any of the technical stuff because I don't understand it. Yeah. All right. So I think this is a good stopping point. So let's wrap up the episode. Let's do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed our little uh, cameo from our friend Rachel and her <laughs> wild conspiracy about uh, birds not being real. I love that. As always, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us and you will not miss an episode. And leave a five-star review. It's free. It's a nice thing to do. No one likes a negative Nancy. Yes. Okay, and you guys can find us at misfitsandmysteries.com. That's where you can find the blogs, all of our episodes, our fan art. It's where you can sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social at podcast underscore misfits on Instagram and Twitter. And we're also on Facebook, YouTube, everything. Yep. And before you let you guys go, remember, 
We are having a campfire episode coming up. So please, please, please call us in with a voicemail. Leave it to our Google voice number. It's 914-627-8582. Unless it's windy and we can't without ruining the audio, we're going to have fun with this. We're planning on having having outside. We want it to be extra spooky. It's going to be at night. We want your scariest scariest ghost stories. We want urban legends. You can even throw in a creepypasta, like I said before. I know that's nonsense for children, but we'd accept a creepypasta. Just give us scary stories, funny stories, hypotheticals. It's going to be a fun time. And we can't make this campfire episode happen without you guys. So please, please, please contribute. Tell a friend. You have a friend that has a good story. Also, we're not picky. Steal someone's story. Pretend it's your own. We'll never know. We would never know. We'll never know. Your friend have a spooky story? Steal it. Pretend it's yours. Like, hey, from the internet. Like, hey, Paul, you know that spooky story? Want to tell me it again? And they're like, hey, want to give me a transcript of it? Oh, and then read it off and pretend it's yourself. We would never know. Never know. You can leave your name, whatever you're working on, and plug it. And there's a chance you'll make it in the episode. And we're going to do something like this going forward. You guys just got to hold up your end of the bargain and send in voicemails. If you're a true fan, you will. Yeah. All right. So as always, stay spooky, misfits. Stay spooky, guys. Bye. Bye.